Everywhere else in the world, people understand the significance of gold and, and of de-dollarization. The U.S. is blinded to it because of the inordinate strength of a currency that's $165 trillion in debt. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics for that special time of the week, which is our weekly check-in with Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin, where take a look at things that are going on in the precious metals world. Obviously, anything focusing on the physical level of the silver market, we will touch on as we will do again today. So, Andy, good to have you back here, as always, on Tuesdays. And before we get started, how is everything going with you, my friend? Things are great. The Vikings won five in a row. Sorry about your Jets. Not really, but I am. And uh, it's all good. It's it's good, man. You know, it's a crazy world we live in, but day by day we're we're making we're making it, and we're already almost to Thanksgiving. It's amazing. I think the craziest thing, Chris, to me over the last three four years, well, since 2020 anyway, when everyone stopped going to an office. I haven't been to my office and over three years really, but just to visit. And I always thought that I had to be a staple at the office, but since that stopped the, the speed at which time flies by is just shocking to me that the, the year is over. We're already up to the holidays and uh, it just keeps on rolling. But um, with that, so too are the thing, the developments that just seem to keep happening. And it seemed that, you know, for most of my career, a major development, which would get major news coverage, happened once a blue moon. Just so happens that blue moons seem to be rising just about every night uh, lately, and this is no exception. So uh, it's good to be here, as always, trying to, you know, comment on the craziness we see all around us. Yeah, I know what you mean, as we are getting to the end of 2023, and certainly a year that has had its share of developments, obviously, we saw the issues with the banks earlier this year, had a round of speculation about what the BRICS might be doing, which suppose in the form that it was speculated uh, did not occur as there's not an official gold settlement mechanism. Although, at least from everything we can tell, seems to be that de-dollarization effort still well underway and continue to see moves away from treasuries as the backbone of global financial infrastructure and something that we will dig into. Although um, sticking on the silver level first, though, curious now that we're getting close to the end of the year, can you offer any, maybe not specific figures, but in terms of overall silver volume that has been sold, uh, I don't know if it changes between what you're experiencing and anything you might be looking at in terms of the overall silver industry, but how, how does it look like 2023 is going to stack up to 2022 in terms of physical silver investment on a retail level? You know, I'll, I'll find some, I'll get some specific numbers when we talk next week, but I would say it's been as strong as, as, as ever. The only difference is, is that there are a lot of people who are coming into the fray that had no, never had any interest in buying gold. And I get that a lot. People will say, look, you know, I don't know anything about this. I never would have done it if it weren't for X or Y or Z, whether it be what's happening geopolitically or what's happening with the banks or what's happening here with the lack of unity in this country and, and the lawlessness and all the things that are freaking people out. 
they're waking up. And, you know, when you talk about protecting large sums of money, look, we work with any size client. Some of our clients spend $500 and we're happy to work with them. Others spend $5 million and we're happy to work with them too. The difference is, is that you could put a million dollars in a briefcase of gold and run to your car. A million dollars in silver is, you know, two tons or whatever. And so the logistics become a problem. So this year we've seen an increase in gold sales, but it hasn't really affected the amount of silver sales. In fact, the people who understand what's happening, the people who have paid a little bit of attention or a lot of attention understand that silver is the place to be. The people who have come in lately, who have never thought about buying metals before, their, their motivation is, is of protection and of safety um, and of hedging against the chaos. So silver is somewhat removed from their, their line of sight. Of course, we have that discussion, but it just seems to me that a lot of people are looking to gold right now as a first entry into the industry because Maybe they don't understand the reasons that we do to buy silver, but they look at gold as an asset that would be used to help, you know, extricate them from the system, from the matrix. And I guess it takes a little bit more of, I don't want to say sophistication, but but following this industry and the reasons to buy silver, because let's face it, you know, you're more the news when it comes to silver than anything we see on the mainstream. The mainstream wouldn't know a silver coin if it fell on their foot. And when the mainstream talks about anything metals related, it will typically be gold. And so the newbie who might be very financially uh, financially literate in terms of mainstream financial applications is completely a dunce when it comes to the reasons to buy silver. So that's where education and, and, and just good old-fashioned talking um, comes into play. So... Look, the demand for silver is as strong as it's ever been, but we didn't really have a lot of newbies coming into the industry. The people that came in over the last couple of years, you could argue were a, a byproduct of silver squeeze and, and of a, a growing chorus of hard money people. But what we've seen since the bank failures and the increased chaos around the globe here in the States too, are people who are just flat out scared and and are just giving in i guess you could say to to leaving their comfort zone and that would be of of stocks bonds and real estate and the first place that they would go would be gold and so we're seeing more gold than we have in the last few years but the the demand for silver has not waned at all yeah and you mentioned in there that people are concerned about the banking system i'm curious the whether it's people who are new or that are experienced, what are some of the other reasons you're hearing most often in terms of why they are turning to gold and silver at this particular time? Well, I mean, you can look around you and you can look at other currencies. Uh, you know, gold reached all-time highs in, in the second and third largest economies in the world recently in, in China and Japan. And when you talk about Japan, gold is appreciated by 50% against the yen this year. Uh, you can, if you're, if you're looking a little further, you can see it's up 10, tenfold in Turkish lira and five, I mean, in, um, tenfold in Turkish lira and fivefold, I, I believe in the Argentine peso. Uh, so you have gold performing very, very well around the world. And that, if you're paying a little bit of attention, you understand that. But I think really more than anything, what you're seeing is as an example, you know, think about this. 
the world reserve currency is close to losing its its AAA status. You know, you got you got the 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 rating agencies downgrading U.S. debt. Uh, you have um, so so much divisiveness in this country, um, where I think people are just uncomfortable. There's a I think you said something before we were was kind of multitasking when we were talking before we got on here, and you made a comment about there's there's a feeling people have a charge in the air or a feeling of of anxiety. A lot of people can't really articulate what it is that they're feeling, but they just know something's not right. You know, I'll be a nerd here. And if you, you know, when I was seven years old, the first star Wars came out and there was a movie theater three blocks from my house. I think I saw the first star Wars between the time I was seven and eight years old, over a hundred times. And that's when movies were $2 and 50 cents a ticket. Anytime my parents would want to be alone, they'd say, here, go see star Wars again. But you know, there's a disturbance in the force. You may not be able to articulate it, but people feel it. Maybe someone heard that we added $500 billion in the month of October, and that took almost 200 years to create the first 500 billion. Or maybe people just look around them and they're afraid to go into a sporting event in a major city like Miami or New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles or Chicago or out to dinner. Um, Maybe they just realize that this country is is splintered in terms of ideological viewpoints on on many things, uh, on so many social things that have taken center stage when it used to not be that way. And so I think this disturbance, this anxiety has woken people up. And I would say that, you know, they come to us with a premise. And by the time we explain things to them, I... I and again, you know, this is going to sound like it's doom and gloom and we're, we're preying on that. But I think there is a fine line between pessimism and reality these days. And if you speak candidly and truthfully, citing facts, not trying to frighten someone to accomplish a sale, but just citing a fact like bail-in. How many people really know what a bail-in is? And I talk about this a lot on my podcast. And I, I you know, I live in a, in a, in a country club where there are some very successful people here. And I golf with some of these guys and I ask them, do you know what a bail-in is? And I mentioned this on several podcasts, maybe yours. I had lunch with three guys a few weeks ago and all three of them own their own companies, very successful guys in their own right. And not one of them knew what a bail-in is. And all of them have copious amounts of money in their operating accounts in regional banks here in Florida. They don't understand what is potentially rolling down the road at them. And so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that um, I don't think we've even begun to see anything yet because this anxiety that people feel and can't articulate, I think there will come an event where they will be able to articulate it and they will be able to see it. And, and that's when everything with premiums and availability and all that stuff changes. Um, hope springs eternal in this country. I think traditionally we're, we're born optimists. We've, we've, you know, with our backs to the wall for a long time, we have persevered. But that came with a united front. And I don't know that we have that united front any longer. And are we able to persevere in times of, of stress and uncertainty and chaos? You know, I, I think we're all Americans and a lot of people have forgotten that. And, and instead we're Republicans or we're Democrats or we're rich or we're poor or black or we're white, or we believe in vaccinations or we don't, or we believe in, you know, 
Israel or, or, or Palestinians or whatever it is. I'm not making comments on any of it other than to simply say we're divided. And I think we are not in the right place to, to um, come out of this without some, some lumps. And I think that's coming. And I think it will only get more um, frightening for most people when they're able to articulate it. And maybe it's a, a big regional bank that fails and people lose everything. And they're like, oh my God, they lost everything. I thought they were supposed to be bailed out. No, the Dodd-Frank has... Frank Act says that's illegal and they're supposed to be bailed in and you lose everything. You're an unsecured general creditor or, you know, who knows? You know, I talk to a lot of people and the people I talk to range from liberal to very, very conservative. And you read and hear some of the things and, you know, you start to wonder yourself. I do. I mean, how much of this stuff really could happen? And I hope to God that a lot of it does not happen, but you know, there are people that are just very, very frightened, Chris, and and I think that's the bottom line. And um, you don't have to aid in a and abet that that concern or fear. Um, I think if you speak in terms of factual um, implications, it is a scary time. I'm scared, and I think if you're not scared, then you're not paying attention to what is happening and just how close we are to things drastically changing. Um, you know, you could go as far as saying World War III, or you could take it back a step and say losing the Petro status and the World Reserve status, or you could take it back a step and say there is some event we're being told by the FBI that there are terror cells all throughout the United States in every major city. And, you know, was that that uh, emergency broadcast thing on our cell phones, was that kind of preemptive to kind of warn us that things are a little twitchy, or the FBI says be careful, be on high alert, or... You know, could that impact the election? God forbid. Could it? I don't know. Some people think it could. These are the kinds of things that I think people are concerned about. And yeah, more of the people who pay attention are more concerned, but I think this is permeating into people who, in, into people's lives who have never, ever watched a YouTube video on precious metals before. And they ask a friend or an advisor, what do I do? And they call us. So that's a first step, I think, into realizing that there is an awakening happening little by little, just like the logarithmic decay that I see all around us in every area, little by little by little by little, and bang, all at once. And whether you're talking about social uh, issues like cancel culture which or censorship, which were never part of the fabric of this country, and then little by little by little by little, bang, now it's everywhere. The same thing is true about the de-dollarization. And, you know, you mentioned something at the beginning of this conversation that the BRICS common currency hadn't uh, materialized, that it was pushed out. But we just learned that a new mechanism, a new financial settlement platform was just released, and it's called BRICS Pay. And it's a blockchain-based payment system, a distributed ledger. Um, and it's, it's designed so that any of the BRICS member currencies can be used right now to trade in local currencies. At the end of the BRICS meeting, they said, listen, we wanna go back to the drawing board. We're tasking the financial, um, what are the, the finance ministers of these countries to go back to the drawing board, come back to the meeting next August in Russia and give us your findings. In the meantime, let's all trade in our local currencies. So if Brazil wants to sell corn to China, they can receive yuan for it. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that happening. In fact, the the 
the amount of soybeans sold by U.S. farmers is down huge amount this year, like 60%, because Brazil is selling China all of their soybeans and yuan. All of these things used to settle in dollars and now they're not. But this new BRICS pay system uh, enables trade and financial transactions between these BRICS countries and it bypasses the U.S. dollar or the euro and reduces all of the dependency on, on the SWIFT system or any of the Western financial systems. And you got countries like Russia and Iran who have already been disconnected from SWIFT and you know had their assets frozen and or confiscated. And there are other countries like China where you see these, these very veiled threats to do it to them too. So this has created this urgency to, to bring up this new alternative system. So BRICS pay uh, is effectively the beginning of the end of the SWIFT system for these countries. And kind of like FedNow is the, the payment system before the central bank digital currency. To me, this is the exact same thing with the BRICS nations. And, you know, the Bank of India launched BRICS pay as well. And they are, you know, doing cross-border transactions with Russia right now using the BRICS pay mechanism. Uh, Russia's integrated it. China's integrated it. Uh, ICBC. Russia's VTP bank. I mean, you're seeing these countries that are now integrating a common settlement amongst one another using well, not a common settle, settlement platform using local currencies. This is the little by little by little by little chipping away at the at the dollar hegemony, chipping away at the dollar settlement. And you know, um, look, it, this is not just restricted to the BRICS countries, by the way. The United Kingdom Standard Chartered Bank has integrated BRICS Pay into their digital payment platform. And this is so that customers can make payments to other BRICS countries. This is not good for the dollar. So, you know, I think this is a platform that will grow and will play a role in, in integration of, of BRICS, maybe the, the settlement currency, the unified settlement currency. But little by little, the difference between the BRICS and the West is they do things in a very meticulous, plotted, um, methodical fashion. We shotgun things, throw it at the wall, hope it sticks. They're doing it little by little by little, and it's working. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's just more of the same as we talk about what's happening with the BRICS. Yeah, and I know what you mean uh, in terms of what you were saying earlier about how I think many times people feel that things are not quite ideal, obviously, we get these labor reports that Washington and the Fed suggest are indicative of a really strong economy, at least until they get revised downward a month later. And I think in many ways that seems to diverge from what people are experiencing, uh, especially at, at in time that I've been back in the U.S., uh, geez, four or five uh, months now, uh, I've yet to run into anyone who's not noticing or feeling the impact of the inflation so of course you know, uh, Xi Jinping said changes of the world of our times and of historical significance are unfolding like never before and yeah, he said that know, to Vlad I remember that yes well and yeah and I think a lot of people just you know especially the mainstream I had dinner with a, a very successful very young 30 something um trader for Goldman Sachs this weekend and smart as hell. And, you know, he shakes his head and 
and laughs. But one day he'll wake up and realize that this change that we're talking about is visible. This monetary reset that we talk about is closer than we think. And if you, you know, he said, you are very macro and I respect that. I'm more micro. I look at P to E, P price to earnings ratios and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think if you are micro right now, you're learning more and more about less and less till you know everything about nothing. If you are not macro right now, you are missing what is a once in a generation shift. And you got the United States spending $200 million an hour on servicing its debt. I mean, really? How long can that go on? And, you know, I, I just think that when you talk about adding $500 billion in a month, and it took almost 200 years to create the first $500 billion, things are accelerating on this end, too. And at some point, the rest of the world says, you know what, we just, we're, we're not going to take that crap anymore, and we're not ideologically aligned with you. So, you know, this is what's bringing everyone to the safety in numbers, this, this, this group of countries at the BRICS. That, 27 other countries have, have, have applied, 22 have formally expressed interest. I mean, you're talking a massive, and then you look at all the countries on the Belt Road, there's over 150. How many of them are going to end up on the BRICS? All of them? And the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and the Eurasian Economic Union? President of Belarus is calling for a meeting to bring all of these groups together. You're looking at the majority of human population that is moving against the West little by little by little. And if you want it to work, you have to have a big enough groundswell. You know, people talk about cryptocurrency and it will become big when it gains um, acceptance. There's a word that they use that maybe you can help me with. Um, adoption. What's the, what? Adoption. No, adoption or, yes. But you have to have a large enough amount of people that adopt it as being real before you can take it as being legitimate. And when the BRICS were just, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, okay. Then you had six other countries, including the United Arab Emirates, Iran, and, and see that Iran, I said it right that time, and Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, the majority of the world's oil. And you start to look at the shipping lanes that are, that are you know, the, the, the um, Straits of Hormuz or the Straits of Magellan and all of these, these very important pivotal points around the world, either in terms of their energy or in terms of the significance of where they're located or the shipping routes that they have to go through, they're doing this the right way. So uh, when they do flip the switch, the chances of it succeeding are far greater than if they tried to do it last August. And let's be honest, you know, you had you had one one guy at an embassy in, in Kenya at the Russian embassy that talked about it and, and Jim, Jim Rickards. And I think Jim will be proven right but as a commentator, I will never, ever pick a date or a time and say it's going to happen. I just say the probabilities, we live in a world of probabilities, no absolutes, um, including tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. So there are no guarantees, there are probabilities. And the probability that Jim will be right, I think, is high. He's going to be wrong on his timing, but so what? He'll be right, ultimately. And that's the most important thing, and that's the danger of picking a time. Um, I think it's better to say, look, the probability of this accentuating itself in a way that is very, let's just say, counterproductive to the United States hegemony uh, is growing by the day. And um, you can see that if you, if you don't have to be overly astute in economics to see the crumbs that are being dropped at our feet if you just open your eyes and spend a little time looking. Yeah, and I agree with what you're saying, how it can be a little bit of a dangerous exercise to try and put a timing on these things. Although when 
you actually look at the actions that have been taken and continue to be taken by some of those BRICS nations, I would think that it does seem more likely than not that he is on track with what he's saying. And Andy, another thing you mentioned earlier that I did want to pull up some charts. We took a look at this one day on the show last week, but like you mentioned, here's the Japanese, the gold price in terms of Japanese yen, which you see it has hit a record. And there's a handful of them. Here is the British pound sterling, which you can see it's hit a new all-time high there. Uh, we also have the Canadian dollar and new all-time high there. Chinese yuan. And I'll pull that one up here. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe we will not get the Chinese yuan chart. Looks like it hasn't moved much. Oh, there we go. There's Chinese yuan. And again, of course, the Australian dollar. And uh, Well, we that probably... tells me that gold is performing the way it's supposed to. It's the ridiculous overvaluation that, in my opinion, is not justified. Fine. Everyone wants to say it's the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry hamper. Fine. It doesn't justify it. And... Everywhere else in the world, people understand the significance of gold and, and of de-dollarization. The U.S. is blinded to it because of the inordinate strength of a currency that's $165 trillion in debt and a country that is not unified and a country that has only $5 trillion in assets, of the largest being student debt. We don't deserve to have the currency as strong as it is based upon economics and mathematics. Sure, we got the smoothest working um exchanges and the most liquid bond market yeah 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 all that stuff great that's the 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 recency bias that will all blow up in people's face when the switch is flipped but they're not going to switch it until the time is right and this those charts chris which are fantastic you're always prepared exemplify it the world understands what gold is the people in this country don't that's the shame of it and when i say gold i mean silver too but People around the world understand the dangers of being in dollars and the benefits of being in gold. And that chart says since 2000. I mean, you know, look at that chart since 2000. It's just gone at straight up at a 45 degree angle and draw a line from there. And where does it go now? I mean, if you were to draw a line like the technical analysts do, that chart goes way the hell off the chart, way above your head on this picture here. And you're talking what? 4,000, 5,000, I don't know, but a technical analyst would draw the charts from peak to trough and trough to peak or however the hell they do it. And you can see what I'm saying. I know you know what I'm saying. The price goes a whole lot higher. So I think the problem people make is assuming that it's gold going higher. It's not. It's the value of the dollar that we measure it against. And when the dollar finally recalibrates to a fair value based upon another country or group of countries, and, and their endeavors to, you know, no longer use the dollar for settlement in many things, I think you'll see the dollar start to lose value. And when that happens, gold and silver will go higher in the face of a falling dollar. It's not that gold and silver are going higher. It's that the currencies, except for the dollar, are falling in value. And that's the, the important thing. And if people think the dollar's strength is justified at a, almost 100, about 125% debt to GDP, and all the problems we see around us and, and this growing union of countries pushing back against the West, then don't buy metals. But if you think this is a trend that has not fully expressed itself yet, then what the hell are you waiting for is kind of what I'm thinking if I were going to be completely candid. And, you know, 
I, uh, to me, I don't, I don't understand why more people don't get it. And it, it bothers me. I almost take it personally, but I guess I get it. You know, um, the mainstream and the, and the mainstream media really, they, they don't do us any favors when it comes to telling us the truth. So you have to listen to guys like you who for years have been screaming, this is coming. And, and I think you're right. It is coming. And, you know, so I think people won't realize it until the dollar breaks down. And once the dollar breaks down, you could argue it would be too late at that point. Yeah. And for what it's worth, when we look at this chart, I mean, well, we may not have gold at an all time high in terms of the dollar. It's not all that far off either. Obviously we've had a couple times in the past few years where it crossed 2000, including just about, uh, I guess it was now two weeks ago when it was above that level. So <laughs> are seeing that here as well to some degree and interesting you mentioned about the uh dollar index and obviously compared to other currencies where they're experiencing similar issues with the debt as well so i get it compared to some of these other countries you can make the argument whether the dollar is better or worse yet i think the other countries are also going to have their own similar issues attempting to repay some of those debt loads. So again, it's not just here in the U.S., but perhaps something that we've never seen on this scale on, on such a global level before. So, I agree. Um, anyway, uh, one last quick one before we wrap up, because we did have someone asked a question that they wanted to get your opinion on, and uh, that was in terms of IRAs. And perhaps you could give a quick overview of how the gold and silver IRAs work. And that person's question in particular was what you felt were the best options for a silver IRA. And perhaps you could shed some light on that. Yeah. So there are a lot, there's about a dozen or so custodians around the country that allow for physical precious metal IRAs. I, I work with all of them. Honestly, most of them suck in my opinion. And, and there's a high turnover at these companies because they're, you know, the, the custodian doesn't do anything but really push papers back and forth. And they don't house um, the metal for you when you buy precious metals. They're just, they're, it would be a tough job. You're dealing with people who are angry all the time saying, well, where's where's my money has been transferred, you know, back and forth and just, it would be monotonous. And so a lot of, there's a lot of turnover. The one company that is that I have felt that has been the best to work with for years, and I have no dog in this fight other than saying who er has earned this from me, and that is um, New Direction in Louisville, Colorado, your old stomping ground. And um, you open up an account with them by rolling over or transferring an existing IRA tax-free, and then you can buy whatever you want, really. I mean, just about anything that if it's three, nine, fine or better, which would be bars or rounds or any sovereign mint coins. The only things that really don't fit into it would be the old silver dollars and the pre-65 constitutional silver, otherwise known as junk silver. Those things don't go in IRAs, but anything else does. And the metal is held in a depository, segregated in your name. And it's important when, when you're doing the IRAs, the custodians will offer a dozen or so depositories to choose from. Uh, you want one that is, is going to physically segregate it in your name rather than allocate it to the name of the, of the program so that it would be in Chris Marcus's name, not in 
the IRA custodian's name with Chris being a, you know, inside the pooled account. You want it in your name because the, the real benefit of the physical precious metals IRA, and I think it's also important to mention that by calling it a precious metals IRA, you're kind of clouding what it really is. It's an IRA that you can buy anything you want, stocks, bonds, real estate, whatever, or physical precious metals. And as most of the custodians don't want to do the or, um, they do. And then the cool part about it, really, the I think the most important feature of it is the ability to take a distribution in kind, just what it sounds like. In other words, if these silver eagles are in my IRA and I say, send them to me, I want them. Well, it's a taxable event. They're going to tax me like I took a cash distribution. But if you feel that owning metals is significant enough to have it in your IRA, then why not have the ability to distribute it if you could? And that's what this does for you. It allows you to take an in-kind distribution at any time and possess the metal um, whether it be through distribution or liquidation. And that, that to me is the biggest reason to own it. Um, and I'm a big fan of them. I think they're, they're a great vehicle. Uh, the, the storage cost is, is really small because the depositories lowball their storage rates to the custodians because these custodians are a constant funnel of business to them. So where you'll only pay a few hundred dollars period per year storage on a, even a million dollar account physical metal held at let's say ids of dallas international depository service through an ira if you were going to do it outside of an ira it would cost many times that because they they don't lowball the rate if you're just bringing them your metal but if you're an ira custodian sending them three four five thousand clients a year you're going to get the lowest rate in the world and that's what these depositories do so you physically store the metal in your name within the ira and if you want to sell it and reposition it into common stock after stocks collapse and they're selling at a single digit price to earnings ratio and paying a fat dividend, great. Or maybe you just want to take possession of it. Or maybe you want to sell and take a cash distribution. You have options, more options than most IRAs offer. So uh, send an email to info at, at Arcadia Economics. And or, what is it? That's right. Is that right? Info at Arcadia, Arcadia at MilesFranklin.com. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Arcadia at MilesFranklin.com. And ask questions on an IRA because we can help you do it. We'll help you show you how to transfer it from your current custodian tax-free. We'll explain the benefits of, of buying bars or coins or however you want to set it up. We'll, we'll go over the pros and the cons. And then we'll we'll do that for you. We'll deliver it in your name segregated to one of the depositories you choose. And then from there, it's like any other IRA investment. You can sell it, liquidate it, or take it in kind. And that's what's different. You know, you buy Exxon Mobil, they're not going to bring you barrels of oil and set them in your driveway. But with gold, they will. Uh, hopefully not in your driveway. Hopefully they'll ring the doorbell and actually have you sign for it. But that is, to me, the, really the, the icing on top of the IRA cake as far as precious metals are concerned. Well, appreciate that and think it's certainly a, a good option. And imagine there's a lot of people that don't know that you can have metals in an IRA. So hopefully that will answer our listeners' question. And Andy, before we wrap up, anything on special this week that people should know about if they are looking to add to their stack right now? Yeah, we are doing the 2023 Silver Philharmonic at $3.40 over the price of silver. It's a great price for one of the six major mints of the world. Um, coin and um they're lovely coin and there's no 
there's nothing political attached to it. One of the few coins you can say that about, maybe the only one where it doesn't have Lady Liberty or Queen Elizabeth or King Charles or, um, you know, something that that denotes a, a political connotation. It's It's got the giant organ that's in the Philharmonic Orchestra on one side. On the other side, it's got some instruments. They're lovely, beautiful coins, and they are in stock, and they're 2023s at $3.40 an ounce over the price of silver. Good of a choice as you're going to find, good of a price as you're going to find as well for a one-ounce sovereign mint coin. So that's this week, and um, it's always good to be here with you, Chris. I look forward to doing it again next week. I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about then as well. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, again, yeah, it's it's amazing that we're towards the end of 2023. And gold still up about $100 on the year, silver down $2, although see what happens over this last month and a half that remains now. So interestingly I, enough, it's $2 higher right now in the Shanghai gold exchange and gold's about a hundred dollars higher than the West too. So in China it's not, but anyways, um, yeah, there'll be lots to talk about and thanks for, for inviting me back. And I, I always look forward to our conversations and uh, next week will be no exception. <laughs>